And welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for joining us. You have it tuned in to High Key Book Club. Yes. Uh, I'm Cameron. I'm Zeleni. <laughs> A little bit of reverse order there. Yeah. <laughs> but I just jumped right in. We're just reversing things, shaking things up. Yeah. But today we're going to cover. What are we covering? Uh, we're switching it up a little bit. <laughs> Have um, we done one of these types of movies before? No, we haven't. We have never done a documentary before. This is our first documentary. Yeah, well, you and know, we talk about documentaries a lot in our real lives, but this is a cool opportunity for us to come on the airwaves and yeah. discuss a documentary that is a little personal to us. Well, yeah, and also it's an indie documentary, which I think is it's more common to have indie documentaries than uh -huh. indie just move. I don't know, but... So you're trying to say that the big guys are not as invested in documentaries? Well, yeah, but I think that's a whole separate issue. But <laughs> for sure. I'm just saying this is also an indie documentary mm -hmm. specifically. What I does indie stand for? Independent. For, re remind me. Oh, I forgot. I, I There's a lot of documentaries that are like more mainstream that have really influenced me that I really enjoy. Like, like what? Like I, I feel like Blackfish is a Blackfish good one. Blackfish is that a great. It's a great love one. Love that documentary. It definitely. Is it still on Netflix? Yes. Cool. I feel like it's one of those movies that will get you into documentaries. That's a like really great point. Like it's a good point. like entry point. For so if sure. you haven't seen Tower yet and you're a little skeptical of documentaries, go check out Blackfish. Yes, exactly. And there's just so many documentaries that I've seen. I would like to talk about another really good one that shows you how documentaries can be more artistic is uh -huh. Exit Through the Gift Shop. Remember, it's the one about Banksy. Oh, he's a yeah. Artist. You showed me. We watched that documentary too. Mm -hmm. Was that the first documentary we watched together? I think Can I just so. call them Docs from now on? Sure. Docs. I'll see you at the Docs. Yeah. Check out the Docs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no sure. <care>. Doctor <laughs> Dre would use like D O C all the time in his raps. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you chilling with the D O C. Okay. <laughs> but okay. in this case, it's not Doctor. It's documentary. Yes. So. Exit through the gift shop, I think, is a good example of a um, more experimental or non-conventional documentary instead of, like, the good things point. people think of, of, like, in school, more educational mm -hmm. type of way. But the reason I think we wanted to choose Tower for the first documentary we covered is because of our personal ties to the subject matter. The University of Texas. At Austin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Cameron talks about it a lot on the podcast about his classes and stuff, and that's at the University of Texas at Austin. Hook him. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> hey, I believe it. Hook him. Hook him all the way. Okay. <laughs> 
So yeah, we wanted to, and I'm an alumni of the University of Texas. I graduated from there a year ago. I'm currently there. That's yeah. busy. Yeah. So I don't know. This documentary, Cameron hadn't seen it before. I, I had seen Tower before, twice before, but Cameron hadn't. And just once you see it, I've, I've tried to make a lot of my close friends see it too. And that went to the UT. UT is the University of Texas. You went to the UT. To the UT. Uh, Did you go to the UT? Hook them. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, Cameron's I a little hyper today. I got a, I <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what can I say? I got a little bit of Texas spirit in me. Uh, he does. I'm the less spirited one here. I don't bleed orange, though. He... <laughs> you, would, you think I bleed orange? Yes, I clearly. don't know. I don't, but I still... Love the university. I'm just not into like the school spirit side, but <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed my time there and everything. For and sure. So to me, well, okay, so Tower is specifically about a mass shooting that occurred from the University Tower in 1966, and as UT students, former and current, we never learn the history of it ever, like at school. And I really had no idea about this incident. I mean, I I knew it happened kind of like almost urban legend style, but nothing, no specifics at all about it. And I just to me, it was incredible that I was finding out about this from like an indie documentary. I saw it at South by Southwest, which is where it premiered. Not the day it premiered. It was like the jury award screenings because it won an award what year was that 2016 oh cool yeah and then i went to it had a limited release in theaters and i went to a screening that was in october of 2016 oh yeah and i took all my friends to that that's where all my friends saw it and now it's on netflix but (laughs) i just thought it was so crazy that i was finding out about this super significant and still relevant moment from a documentary at a festival, you know, instead of from my own school where it happened and where that it's most important. I agree. I don't, I, I didn't experience it much when I was on campus in terms of references, let alone a story. I, I don't, do we have a memorial on campus for it? We do. We'll get into that. Okay. There's been several attempts. But see that, you know, I don't even know where that is. If so, uh, yeah, never really, never really heard much about it. So and it's it's really surreal to to walk past that tower every day. Uh, so often not thinking about it, but yet at the same time, because I, I think it's a very innocent space now. Yeah. I feel relatively protected, but still it's happened. And so just the other day after we had watched it, I walked by it and, and I really felt it. And I, I noticed that the, the, the space that is depicted on screen yeah. in, the, in the archival footage is, is so similar to it looks the exact same exact same yeah to me honestly after i saw it in 2016 it the last year anytime i would walk through the south mall is what it's called every anytime i would walk there i'd think about that and i was like wow this happened here it's wild because you never these things and we hear about it unfortunately so often now but you never expect it so close it's true so it kind of changes the the way that I watched it at least. Yeah. And it made it a little bit closer to home because of that. Yeah. But then 
it was amazing to see how in the very last minute, you know, two minutes that it, it, it pulls it into a bigger subject, which I'm excited to get into. For sure. In the next half. Well, it's not even so. Oh, OK, there's something to discuss, like in documentaries, spoilers don't exist really because it's all like facts, you know, Yeah. <laughs> it's factual. So yeah, more or less, I don't think we're going to do a non-spoiler spoiler oh. part just because this is a, an event based on history. It's true. We didn't have any pre-meeting about that. So I'm discovering that. On yeah, air. sorry, I forgot. That's OK. I mean, it's just something to discuss. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Like, I just think it'd be weird to have non-spoilers. Fair enough. Yeah. It's just an event in history. At this so point, right. So you know that this the shooting, the smash shooting happened in 1966. Yeah. And uh, this movie came out just a couple of years ago. Yes. And I mean, if you want to see like a really cool depiction of the story, definitely watch this documentary. That's my official recommendation. Definitely. Um, and it's on Netflix, so it's super easy. And it's really cool to support. To the, it's important to the success of their movie. So also give some independent filmmakers some love because that's good. <laughs> 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 no, we should support because movies are so hard to get made. They have very high budgets. It's very expensive to produce. And so to be able to make sure that these artists are supported yeah. in their craft it, is important. It, it, a lot of animators, you know, a lot of artists had to be hired and commissioned for this work. Yeah. Now, another reason I wanted to do it on top of it, having the personal ties to us, is that it is kind of an experiment. I mean, it, it is an experimental documentary in the way it's told. And like you learn stuff about this certain event in history, like it's like a historical thing, but it's also like told in a very unique way. Very. So th this movie uses like, a good percentage of it is animated and there's a lot of like animation integrated into archival footage. So it makes it really immersive. And that's the goal that I, I read about and all the things about why it was like that. Well, so yeah, it does this amazing job. It has to, it, I feel like it had to have that in a lot mm -hmm. of ways because there wasn't enough raw visual material right. to sustain a full documentary about this subject it right was so long ago. i mean yeah and i did notice how there were certain clips like key clips of that period of the event happening that were repeated which yeah. is okay because there's not enough there's not that much footage that exists to begin yeah. with right this is 1966 after all so but it's amazing that we even have the footage that we do have of it so but in order to supplement that in-between material to connect the dots in the story, you, you had to have this other element to guide that along. But it was a clever way of doing it because a, so a lot was. of the times that's done through reenactments. This Like true. live action. Right. Just actors redoing it. And then they even blended that animation of the live action with of the events with the interviews. Right. So that's pretty cool. Super cool. Yeah, that's that's another thing that really like made me like this documentary aside from like all of my personal bias <laughs> and like the beautiful story or tragic and beautiful story it tells. Mm -hmm. It also really made an impression on me with the animation and it's rotoscoped, which is a really cool technique. It's like where you like real actors do it and, or act it out on video and then you animate over it like tracing them kind of that's how rotoscoping works it's incredible have you ever done any kind of <laughs> rotoscoping <laughs> yeah i i was in a class where i had to do it i took an animation class at ut where 
I had to do it. It was a small assignment. It was a 10 second rotoscope was the assignment and 24 frames per second. So that's 240 Holy moly. drawings. Whew. And you have to draw each one. It's not like copy paste. That's how that's the the f- cool and like awesome thing about rotoscope. That's a lot of that's a lot of drawing. Exactly. Your hand hurts. It's oh. awful. 10 seconds. So I think that's whenever I see rotoscope, I'm like, <gasps> like this, this took so much effort. Like that's all I can think about. Do you think that people should appreciate that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if people. We've talked about this sort of in the Oscars, how yeah. they don't seem to, I don't know. We, we care about technique as yeah, much. I wanted, I wanted the Loving Vincent movie to win. Right. Well, I don't know. It's hard, but I agree that. It's, I feel like technique isn't super looked at or like experimentation and technique, like always 3D CGI wins. Right. And I'm like, you know, there's so much cool 2D out there that's more interesting to me. Do you think that the documentary form allowed that, it like permitted them a little more to explore that? I don't know. I think it was just smart, a smart way to immerse. Yeah. Did like, you find any, Did you, was there anything, out, any kind of interview out there or anything that it suggested what prompted them to approach it that way i forgot i mean the main things were about how to make it most immersive and they that they wanted to use like the actual footage mm-hmm. of the old the old footage mm-hmm. and you like have the new thing on top of it if that makes sense oh. so like they wanted to integrate the archival footage with something uh-huh. and the animation is the most n- natural way to do that mm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. y- you can't put like an actor. It's weird to put like a green screen like actor in front of the <laughs> archival footage, you know, for sure, like a live action person. And it just Absolutely. doesn't match. It's weird. But, <laughs> but um, it's really cool that they were able to still get the interviews of, of many of the survivors that are still alive today. Right. And I feel like the story really takes on that perspective. It, yeah. it tries to get into the per, uh, survivor's shoes a little bit more and selling what personally happened to them in order to guide the events of that, that tragic day. Yeah, and that's what was is really also unique about this documentary because we see so many docs and things like that that focus on the killer, the crime, the shooter, the like the other side of it. Uh oh, the, like the crime, like yeah. the criminal. Mm-hmm. The criminal. The criminal is always who really gets the the yeah, spotlight, right? Totally. And at least in in terms of how we think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In one sense, I do think. Like, I understand that fascination, that human fascination with... Americans seem to eat it up. They do. and But at the other time, I'm like, no, that's something... That's a weird nature that should be fought at certain times. Mm. Like, it, it sucks to not even know the names of any victims and know, like, the shooter's name. You know, and it's just glorifying. And it doesn't matter why they did it in the end because it doesn't... I mean, yeah, this is definitely a victim story. Yeah, and that, and that's beautiful. Like, you you don't see that often. And so wh- from what I read, and I think I remember at the screening them talking about this, because the screening I got to go to, which was really cool, um, had a, a, a little bit of a Q&A after, because it's at a festival. So. Oh, that's great. What did they have to say? Well, we'll get into it when it's relevant. If, okay. But it, it's a long time ago, too, so I don't. I don't remember that much. Uh-huh, sure. The movie was kind of 
the structure of it was kind of based on this this article that a journalist did for Texas Monthly where she that was called 96 minutes which is the length of the time of the shooting and wow. like sort of a the article it was for the 40th anniversary in 2006 that that article came out by really a Who jour- wrote? journalist named Pamela Koloff for Texas Monthly. And that was sort of the inspiration for like the structure and like going through because it's such a long span of time. And I was reading about how like most shootings, it's a few minutes, but this one was like an hour and a half. He know? really got himself into a <laughs> position more. that was uh, yeah, no. impossible to get to. Yeah. It took a lot of work. It wasn't impossible, but it took a lot of work to get to it. Yeah. So the story goes, uh, I guess, uh oh go into that before we start going into more details but the movie focuses on some of the victims of the shooter that survived and also the policeman and policeman and civilian that went up to try to stop it right and it's 96 minutes like not the movie but (laughs) the time of the event so there's a lot that happens before they get up there to the guy and and we we just see the different stories we follow one main one i feel like but i mean like the, there are a couple of different ones and none of them hold more weight than the other really right. but i definitely the one that stands out the most in my mind is the pregnant woman right. who her name is claire wilson mm-hmm. uh, she, she's, she's a survivor but her baby didn't survive right oh she was the first shot also oh she had no idea what was going on. Because she, she's the first. And her boyfriend. Yeah. And her boyfriend. Oh. It's just, uh, it's tragic. And so, ultimately, he injured, I think, 31 and killed 16. Oh. Yeah. And it's, right now, it's ranked the number eight deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. Is it really? Yeah. It's right above... Ninth is Stoneman Douglas High School. And like the top ones are Vegas, Pulse, Virginia Tech, and Sandy Hook. And that one. Yeah. So it's just like, that's so long ago. Vegas and Pulse were so recent, too. I know. Exactly. Yeah, I felt like the Las Vegas event seemed similar and like the way that he was at this high up place that no one could figure out yeah. where and like had this but i didn't realize like vegas like the tower shooting was 16 people dead, and vegas was like vegas like 60 like 60 yeah it's insane oh gosh it was a different kind of weapon i don't know i feel like it was similar but i don't know it's crazy it's so old and still so up there in the list right like with all these modern crazy stuff so we really see in the movie towards the end and taking a nod toward suggesting that this was the beginning of a trend in contemporary American society where there are commonly mass shootings, especially in, in schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I read about how Keith Maitland, I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if it's not. <laughs> He's a creator, the director, producer. He said that he wanted at first he wanted to put more at the end about Uh uh-huh um i i honestly i was a little shocked that it had just as short of a yeah 
montage to it. There's kind of a reason, like, so what? One thing he mentioned it was in an article. Uh, he said that from watching the movie, you're already thinking about all of these shootings. That's a good point. And by including just a little bit at the end of like the footage of the people, he hopes to remind you that there, just like there were these stories that you just saw at the tower shooting. There's that many stories in each, like, human stories and victims and survivors. And with equally, like, important stories. And just to, to realize that this isn't just, like, news footage. It's, it's, like, people. Just like the ones you just saw. Real people's lives. It's true. Oh, man. You know what it reminds me of? What? So, in my film class, I'm taking a world cinema history class, and we had to do this simulation exercise on Bonnie and Clyde. Remember, I was telling you about Mm -hmm. that. And so, what we had to do for this one question, the the simulation was that we were pretending to be a reporter for the Austin American Statesman, and we had to report on Bonnie and Clyde being released. One of the questions was talking about you know, we, if I was a reporter, how would I choose to cover the, the movie? And the Bonnie and Clyde is known for being a gruesome, violent movie, especially mm-hmm. for its time period of coming out in 1967. Movies were not that, that, that just straight up violent. So it gave, and also the protagonists were the gangsters. So this was very controversial at the time period. Uh, and so what I did in my response, I talked about how, well, you know, if I was covering it for Austin, I would keep in mind the audiences of how they just experienced this mass shooting in 1966 about how this might be a little bit of sensitive material for those who are uncomfortable with, with gun fire and death. Yeah. When you talk about what you were, how you were just talking about the victims yeah. and thinking about the families and how these are real people's lives, the, we had to read this article talking about how you know this movie ever since it came out has given bonnie and clyde all of the fame because after all it's a fictionalized depiction of real events that happened back in the great depression era of the 1930s and how she was upset as uh she was a widow of one of the sheriffs that was shot by bonnie and clyde in their Mm -hmm. escapades during the 1930s and she felt like it was unfair that they got all of the credit uh, and nobody just knew or paid attention or cared about her loss. That's true. I mean, it's unfortunate. We're just sucked in by like the fascination of someone doing something evil. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like we have to fight that, I think. And this movie does it in a great way that's like very, it immerses you it enraptures you into the story. It another reason I s- saw that they like animated, they added th- that whole very integrated animation is because it's to almost question if they survive. Even though you're hearing interviews in a lot of documentaries, you just see people be getting interviewed. It's more straightforward. But like, did they really have an opportunity to live the same life? Huh? Did they or like they really did they really survive the event? Right, like. Because we're hearing, like, the interview. that That's all the dialogue. But it's put in a way that's, like, a linear story. And we're wondering, like, if they're even going to survive. Oh, that's a good point. And like, we don't really know who's going to survive. They talk they talk about certain 
people. It's, it's like we think that they would survive, but they don't. That's true. That's true. Because they passed away later it's on. It's really, yeah, it's a, it's, huh. Yeah, it's just the, the movie, like the whole like first half-ish is like super just action and like you don't know what's going to happen, even though it's a historical event. And, and that's what it's trying to like pull you away from. It's like immersing you in the time. It does. Instead yeah. of you thinking of it as a historical event. You think of it as like an action movie or like a crime or, you know, some high action sort of story. <laughs> I don't know. Like fiction almost. It does a really good job of playing with nonfiction. Yeah. And that's a, that, that's just a technique I really appreciate. It's something that we've had to explore a little bit also in my world cinema history class in terms of Cuban cinema. They they have a history, especially during the 1960s and 70s, of blending this uh, documentary style and technique with uh, elements of fiction. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it so much. Yeah. It's such a fresh air, a breath of fresh air for documentary work. I don't know. I love any doc that can... Just switch it up on you. It totally got me. Good. It, it's it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's just. It's also good to to have the story sort of modern, so contem- contemporized, mm-hmm. contemporized. I don't know. <laughs> uh, for us. For, yeah. For, for us. Yeah, I mean, it's good that at least I got to experience the story somewhere. If my school is not gonna tell me about it, I know. It. It's like amazing that it's not in like a introductory video to ut yeah. i feel like they they show off all the other well, things let's talk about that i have some reasons and like so in the movie also we hear that ut only suspends classes for literally one day just to clean up the blood and then back to classes and they don't i mean it was the 60s like back then they did not offer any grief counseling to the survivors mm. any support that kind of thing to the victims and a lot of the victims, it seems, have or survivors have told the creators of this movie about how, like, finally this movie let them talk about it because no one ever. Oh my goodness! Want to talk about it, with and that's them. like so different from the UT I think we know now yeah. a little bit, which well, has still been criticized for right. its lack of services. I mean, I don't know. I've I've been able to benefit from the services at UT a little bit, but. I so I, I but it's just amazing that like they're there now and like how they can't retroactively go back to talk about it and right. Uh, I feel like they should be like they they should be memorialized in one way or another. Yeah, it's just back then like mental health was not even in the conversation, you know, and they just never got to really deal with these traumas. Like UT didn't do anything like no memorial or anything like that which we've seen in more recent unfortunate tragedies while we've been students but like there was just not nothing and i saw one of the potential reasons other than ut being ut because whatever (laughs) not relevant but (laughs) the jfk assassination had just happened three years before and had really like tarnished the image of dallas and austin was like maybe not (laughs) So, like, they wanted to keep it a secret? Like, they just didn't want to... They wanted to just forget about it as quickly as possible. Wow. I mean, both cities didn't have a problem coming back from that those events in right. terms of popularity but and But back then, it was so recent. Like, I don't know. Yeah. 
Mm. I don't know. That. And maybe that's just a theory, but it's something. And just UT is... It's really scary. It is. It's supposed but to be I such mean, a beautiful symbol, too. Oh, the tower. Yeah. I know. Oh, you know, I feel so sad now. I actually wrote a piece about the UT Tower, and Aww. I didn't bring it. I should have brought it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Didn't bring it into the studio. Tweet it. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> no. but yeah, I mean, the, the tower has served as, as this sort of refuge for me. I remember when I ha- was just attending UT, and uh, I felt really alone and afraid of this big space with no friend in it whatsoever, nobody to trust. Uh, and so one night, and this is like a month into taking classes there, maybe even a couple of weeks, I just sit there, sit there and it's like, you know, nine o'clock at night, the sun had just went down. So it's nighttime and I just sit there in front of the steps and I was all by myself. And I decided to write this piece about, uh, the, the marvels and the, the, the big, dreams that seem to exist on the campus and like what could be possible there but Aww. also this this big <laughs> fear of, of of not being able to attain it and and how do i prove myself wow so yeah no i mean the tower is it's still very much like a guiding symbol i feel like for people at ut it's it's not about that it's just like it's also important to know just like every part of something's history you know and then like even the bad things it's just like we have to deal with it we have to just accept it you know i know <laughs> it, it happened and now the only reason i think i know about that this anything like this happened is because people aren't allowed at the top of the tower it's where, where it's the fortified yeah it's like off like no you can't you can't get up there like i have no clue what are in those floors yeah leading up to the tower not at all what if there's like really cool history that well off limits one guy ruined it for everyone they can't even give tours up there or anything no yeah it's it's off limits and so memorial wise they apparently what i was reading is the they made a tower memorial garden or something and i think that's turtle pond like I, i don't i'm not sure the memorial is i don't so i wonder if when the new students or prospective students are getting tours of ut if any parents ever bring it up when they come up to the tower they're like uh so is there uh do you mind if we go up to the top like why can't we go to the top and they're like uh it's off limits (laughs) no i I mean honestly i think parents would be asking more about more recent horrific things it's very true but i mean so if you were a parent right now how, how do you think your perspective of ut would be i don't know it's hard because it's it's like these things can literally happen anywhere and it's what we just learned unfor- unfortunately recently and i mean literally anywhere it's kind of just luck so i wouldn't be like yeah i'd be like a little freaked out but it's just kind of like shit happens everywhere hard stuff right it's true you can't just stop living your life. It's sad. Or it's mm. annoying. But Well, so do you have anything else on your talking pad <laughs> about <laughs> oh, the tower? Oh, well, we didn't finish about memorials. Then they made another one in like the 2000s that was like at the towel, uh, at the tower. The towel? G- <laughs> at the tower garden. <sighs> um, Where's the tower garden? I'm telling you, I think it's Turtle Pond, but I really 
I'm not sure. When I got there, the urban legend was <laughs> that the, the turtle pond was a memorial for the shooting and that they put one turtle in for every victim. And I'm just like, uh, now looking back, I'm like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but that's what <laughs> I That's a little bit of a, like, like campus legend rather than urban legend. Right. That's literally like the only information I got about this event. <laughs> in my whole before I saw this movie, <laughs> it's just like this weird ass urban legend about the turtle pond. <laughs> so I think it's near the turtle pond, if anything. That's interesting. Well, while we're just while we're talking about the per- turtle pond and what's right behind north of the tower, I want to plug in a couple of the 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 greenhouses that I think deserve funding for being renovated so i don't think this is the avenue i know nobody (laughs) listening is going to care about that but just saying if you're listening and you want to serve a good cause and you have the means to help donate to save the greenhouses behind the tower don't donate just i don't know ask cameron (laughs) it's something that i seriously want to do a doc on i want to do a short doc and so, uh, in fact, I'm really excited for my classes next semester because I'll be diving a lot more into documentary production. That's cool. So it should be a good time. And I'm looking forward to hopefully doing a documentary about one of the greenhouses behind the UT Towers. So <laughs> there is another memorial after this movie on the 50th anniversary. That I think it, that one is supposed to be near the tower. I'm not exactly sure where. Near the tower. Mm. What if they like planted a tree? And it's just no, like a tree. It's, it, it's like a plaque with the names on it. I see. Um, like we should a, go find it. We should. Yeah. Gotta pay our respects. I, I'm, I'm, I feel bad that I haven't already done it. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you should go check it out. Oh, that I remember. So it was really controversial. And the screening I went to actually had like a whole like extended after part. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the Q&A part? No, no, no. Like in the movie. Oh. Like after the end. Wow. So like more features? N- like the movie didn't end where it did on Netflix. Why? There, I'll tell you what was in that. So in the Netflix one, it ends with like the Walter Cron- Cronkite uh-huh. moment saying like <laughs> broadcasting about the news and... Got to end with Walter Cronkite. It really felt like the ending, even when I saw it. Uh-huh. And then, like, it's Wait, I think he went to UT. Right. That's the whole point. He's famous. Got it. <laughs> On campus. And then, well, in general, too. <laughs> so it, it felt like the end kind of at the screening, but there was this whole, like, after part that was kind of more about modern things. And uh-huh. so this was the year of Campus Carry. Uh, yeah, and that was a big deal. So we had they they had like a big vote about in all of Texas, all Texas public universities. You could have a concealed carry handgun, whatever. And they made the vote beyond spring break because no students. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. And so I think it was literally that year, like the same, at the same time this movie was premiering, which is Spring Break, South by Southwest. It was also like the vote was happening. I totally missed out on that vote. I well, was yeah, not aware too. of it. I don't know if it was that, I think it was that year. Yeah, because 
then it went into effect literally the day of the 50th anniversary of the shooting. And people, were, it just felt so upsetting. Lots of people on campus were very upset that the vote passed. And then when the rule went into effect, it was literally that day, the 50th, so August 1st, strange. 2016. So uh, it was just like a very upsetting time, like where this topic was really relevant here in our community. Right. And it was just, it just felt so embarrassing in that documentary. And the, the s- screening I saw about, there was stuff about that and that Claire was like, opposed to concealed carry i don't know and just it felt more like an extra argument against concealed carry which a lot of people were making at that point Mm -hmm. at that time like it was just big debates about that oh my goodness yeah too much too much (laughs) and even in the movie like you see back in back then like they had open carry i don't know like everyone had a gun on them yeah. I mean, like they showed that yeah. the, the the people going to the school, the students and the teachers were going to get their rifles. Right. And like randoms too, like mm-hmm. just people with guns, like vigilantes. That's right. And like, I get that, like they were helping or trying to help, but it's just, it's just scary when mental health, I don't know. It's just like, it, it could end up in the wrong hands. That's the problem. Very easily. <laughs> right. I mean, during the, I mean, I really think it was a different time period at that time. And it was probably yeah. a lot less likely to happen than it, it is now. That's another thing. Like people weren't hiding. Like now people right. like run and hide and they know the sound of like a gun. But back then people were just like looking around like, confused, right. like no one knew. They had no context. Yeah. So he, he was able to like keep, find more people really easily that's a really good point yeah i really one of my favorite characters characters one of my favorite people was when that woman i can't remember her name but she ran out rita yeah yeah. was kind of like the wavy hair she ran out Mm -hmm. she ran yeah Yeah, i like how she was depicted and it was cool that they just uh, featured her into the story and included her as one of the tributes in the end. Yeah, even though she passed away, but she was mm-hmm. a true hero. Like later on, she passed away. Not not in that event. She was a true hero of yeah. the of the the day. Then a lot of people, like the other girl said, like weren't brave enough to go out there. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to go out there. Like she was really just selfless yeah. in that moment. And I really liked it. I mean, I also loved. This wasn't the whole movie. Like, the use of color was very, like... Yeah. It was more, like, abstract and cool, like... And it was always, like, the, uh, people's lives outside of the event and the shooting were in color. But wh- as soon as they got involved with the shooting, it's, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Go to black Right. When it got closer to the tower, it was, like, this black and white space. Yeah. And it's cool because it also helps in blending in with the footage. Mm-hmm. It's, like, perfect. Really good point. Wow. But it also kind of is symbolic of, like, no color, no... But then they had color photographs. So, yeah, it's true. It's pretty cool. They did their research. Yeah, for sure. Research began way back then, 2006. Man. And production in 2012. Wow, that's a major undertaking. Yeah. Well, kudos, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, we like it. I, I think it's, I just felt so weird seeing it with like a bunch of like international people, random people <laughs> at South by Southwest. Like it just, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I go there. I was like, I go here. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it's, oh, it's so scary. Do you think that this uh, that this documentary is going to help bring the story to a more international audience? Well, I feel like and, it did at awareness? the various festivals it's been screened at. I mean, it's still an indie documentary. It doesn't have like a wide release. Like but it's mainstream. on Netflix. That's true. I mean, that, that helps. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just in the U.S., but. Right. I mean, it's, it's good that it's accessible because I remember trying to go see it in theaters it was hard to find a time because it was pretty limited gotcha um yeah so i'm glad it worked out but you teachers just have regular screenings of it like all the time i know it's just ut is so concerned with its reputation and i understand but also they won't suffer that much they're they I mean, have so now other they have merits <laughs> Now they have these empty pedestals there. They should just put the oh, some right. sort of memorials up on top of those. I know they should put a statue of the the people I hid behind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's ridiculous. It also, yeah, the Jefferson Davis thing was like, oh, that was another fight that was happening back then. Oh yeah, those Hardcore. are those statues gone too. The what? one that was right next to, the, yeah, the one they hid behind. Yeah. That was Jefferson Davis. Yeah. That's right. It was like a deal then too. Or just like how, remember that comment that, right. yeah, right. they made about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. It's just weird. <sighs> yeah. So uh, on campus, we had some Confederate statues that were oh. taken down, which a lot of people were for, sure, like, that's cool. Um, but in the movie, some people used <laughs> the Jefferson Davis statue to hide behind. So it was useful one day. Right. <laughs> he was like, hey, you might say what you can about that statue, <laughs> but sure did give me a lot of protection on that day. <laughs> kind of <laughs> paraphrasing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like it's just a weird moment, <laughs> but it's OK. We're all about weird moments here in Austin. <laughs> right. That's our whole brand. <laughs> uh, to, to brand your city. <sighs> well. Ah, does that bring us to the top of the tower? Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be there. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to also just know it had, I noticed when I was looking at like the team and stuff, it had a lot of female crew members. Oh, that's really great. I was so happy about it. Like three other women producers and then a bunch of women executive producers. Could you find out if it was made here in Austin? I think so. Um, Keith Maitland, so the director and producer, Keith Maitland, he went to UT. He's mm -hmm. not from Austin, but he went oh. to UT. Okay, cool. So it's from someone that... He's a Longhorn. He gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, man. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, producers Megan Gilbride, Susan Thompson, Hillary Pierce. Executive. One of an, the executive producers was Luke Wilson. Yeah, the actor, <laughs> like Owen Wilson's brother. Yeah, like like Legally Blonde. Yeah, like are like we gonna book club that? Yeah, we might. What? <laughs> My gosh, you gotta tune in next week for that. Right. <laughs> and then they hired also this animation studio that's local. I'm pretty sure called Minnow Mountain. 
Oh. And the co-producers was one man, one woman. It's just like it felt cool. I was like, wow. This is why the indie world is cool. Nice. That's nifty. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. We've heard some other things about the indie world, too. Well, of course. There's everything. But this one did a good job. The tower did a good job. I agree. No, no, no I agree. And it's a, it, yeah, it's a solid reflection of hopefully what are to be positive changes for the indie world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I can't wait to make documentaries. You know, I'm from Houston, and uh, th- Houston has a number of historic events that would be really nice to make documentaries about, too. And Selene no. does a little bit of anim- animations. I'm sure her friends are aware of that. I am. And, <laughs> you know, it's so great. You know, my birthday's going to be coming up here in a couple of days, and she made me a beautiful little animated portrait no it's not animated it's true but it's illustrated illustrated, but it looks like it's animated (laughs) like i look like i could be in an animation well (laughs) if you know the feeling then tweet us (laughs) it's our grade yeah oh uh, well no i'm just kidding (laughs) i really enjoyed this movie a whole lot it was informative it was entertaining and it told a story you know, not only a unique story that I had never heard of before, but a story in a way that I had never really seen one told before. And a story that is personally tied to you on top of all that. This is true. So I I want to I want to give the tower an A. Tower. Oh, just tower. Yeah. Oh, I, this is like School of Rock. Is it School of Rock or the School of Rock? A plus. A plus. Okay, we can we can aggregate that out to an A plus overall. <laughs> aggregate, <laughs> yes. Truly fantastic work. So so good job, and yeah. we really enjoyed we enjoyed watching this movie and reviewing it. Yeah, and thanks indie filmmakers for working so hard. Anyone that makes it's inspiring. Movie, it's inspiring, and it's just I have so much respect for like how hard it is to like get any movie made. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And shout out. Oh, am I supposed to prepare a shout out? No, I have one. Oh. So, (laughs) I mean, take it away, Lenny. Speaking of indie filmmakers, the shout out is to Keith Mainland, the creator, director, producer of Tower. Oh, cool. Tweeted at us (laughs) in response to. The announcement of this episode. I have I would have no clue because I never use Twitter. I manage the our Twitter account. But yes. yeah, so Keith tweeted us. All right. <laughs> we feel humbled. <laughs> Heike Book Club shout out. Yeah. You got the shout out. Thanks for tweeting at us at Heike Book Club <laughs> if you want to be the shout out. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for chiming in, for tweeting in. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you for making this movie. Yeah. It was really <laughs> great to watch and great to cover. Yeah, and it, 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 like I like we said, have spent the last hour talking about. It. It's been great to reveal that history about the campus that we took classes on. Yeah, well, I was there four years. You know, it's like it's an important piece of history. Thanks for telling it in a creative way. Absolutely. And if you want to be next week's shout out, tweet us or Instagram us or Facebook us or email us. At Heike Book Club at gmail.com. <laughs> at Heike Book Club at gmail.com. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> just I like that. I just wanted to echo you. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, this has been a lovely another edition of Haiki Book Club. And that wraps up episode number 24. That's a that's a that's a deep joke. I don't expect much of our audience to get that. I don't get it. It's a TV show, twenty four, and that oh, was <laughs> that I was sort of it. like the beeping clock every yeah. time they'd shown on screen. Got it. It's supposed to be suspenseful, but yeah, no, that's my twenty four reference. Got I'm gonna it. try to make a reference for every number, but it's gonna be hard. Again, it's been great, and Zeleni, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be hearing from us.